Welcome to the Struggle Session. Hello. Hi. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And today we are here with a very, very, very exciting thing to tell you, which is that we have joined the guard of Bashar al-Assad <laughs> and plan to protect the brave Syrian generals from any imperialist assault. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have teamed up with a vanguard of the highest quality Maoists. Yeah. Just a few, just a few episodes ago, uh, uh, we we uh, we told you that we're with Putin, and so uh, uh, today we say we stand with Assad. <laughs> the lying of Syria. Uh, we have a very special guest today, also a known Assadist and Putinist. If you listen to um, what was it, the Southern Poverty Law Center? Um, <laughs> well, they retracted was... it. I mean, to be fair, they retracted it. But yeah, I guess you can't really shake those labels. So no. Um, <laughs> so we're, today we're joined by Rania Kalik, uh, independent journalist and host of another excellent podcast, Unauthorized Disclosure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. And thanks for sending us the check from the GRU KGB. <laughs> oh, really of course. It. I apologize for the late. Um, I do apologize for the late. Uh, uh, automatic deposit <laughs> for any of yeah, you I mean, that that's on chose PayPal. the automatic deposit route. It's very difficult to get that across uh, state lines. So yeah, the, sa- the sanctions are really... It takes yeah. a few extra days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I apologize on the, in that regard. <laughs> All right. All right. So, folks, this is a, yet another issue episode that Struggle Session is doing because a lot of fucked up shit is going on. And, you know, we, there's always fucked up shit going on when we talk about it lightly. Um, but this one, whenever it gets to the point where like other like leftists that we know are like joining with the fucked up shit, like with the, um, Foster Sesta stuff against sex workers. Uh, and this week I saw a lot of stuff where people were kind of just buying into the narrative that now is the time to do something about Syria. And it was really right. disturbing. Yeah, with, with with this man in office, with the people surrounding him, no better time than now to do this thing that <laughs> definitely needs to be done in the first place. Yes. I mean, we're bombing seven countries right now. So, I mean, logically, we should bomb eight. <laughs> uh, if we can get to double digits by 2020, that would be pretty dope. I think that that's a, that's a, a Yahtzee, they call that. That's a Middle East well, Yahtzee. Well, I prefer that. I, I tend to prefer like even numbers. Um, I think eight is an uh-huh. even number. It's like it's yeah. symmetrical. It's, it just it's nice and round. Sense. It's exactly exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll <laughs> we'll jump from eight to ten, and then to twelve, and then it's the only 14. way. <laughs> and so I want Rania on because she is someone who actually knows what she's talking about with Syria. She is someone with family in Syria, and I and as much as. A lot of people, a lot of, you know, white people who have no connection to the Middle East whatsoever are suddenly taking, you know, these profound stances on what must be done about Syria. I want someone who actually um, knows what the fuck they're talking about uh, for a change to talk about. So, Rania, we have to do something about Syria. Why should we... Start Starting there. from the base point of that something, of course, must be done, what do you think must be done? Well, I think the U.S. needs to get. Can I curse? By the way, I don't. I don't know if I can. Yes, can please. Curse? Okay, I think the U.S. Yes. needs to get the please. fuck out of Syria. The U.S. is already in Syria. Um, the U.S. has two thousand U.S. troops that are illegally occupying a part of eastern Syria because the U.S. is desperate to have some leverage in that country. Uh, but not only that, the U.S. needs to get out of Syria because it's largely responsible 
for the crisis that has taken place all these years. But Americans have no idea because the U.S. media, and I mean this from like not just the U.S. corporate press, I mean the U.S. media from outlets like Democracy Now to the, even the far right has basically like has basically not reported on this on this conflict accurately whatsoever. I've never in my in my time as a journalist seen a conflict reported on in such a distorted manner than Syria. I mean, it's even worse than Israel-Palestine. The U.S., the fact of the matter is the U.S. spent the last several years arming and funding a collection of Salafi jihadist insurgent groups in Syria. They basically funded al-Qaeda death squads in Syria. And I'm, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Um, and it, they wreaked havoc across the countries. I mean, the U.S. did that with its allies in the region, with Saudi Arabia, with Qatar, with Turkey, and is largely responsible for the reason that ISIS was able to arise in Syria. And I can go into the specifics of why all that happened, but the most important aspect of this is that the idea that the U.S. has to do something about Syria is so absurd on its face because the U.S. has been doing something about Syria, and that's been the largest cause of the problem in that country. So, Wanya, that, that, that was really informative and really good, but I, I don't think you really answered the question. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yes, the U.S. has funded, you know, terrorist groups in Syria in the past. But this sure. is a new day. Um, this is a new dawn, new president even. Um, you're talking yeah, about I, stuff that Obama was doing. Look, didn't you see Pitch Perfect 3? Our military is woke now. <laughs> I actually did see it recently on the airplane ride back to D.C. I just got back to D.C. like a couple, uh, less than a week ago from the Middle East. I've been based abroad for quite a while now. Um which means that's I really so don't know what I'm talking that, about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a problem. Like, you you don't... I thought... We, when I brought you on the show, I thought you still lived in D.C., but no, yeah. apparently you've been in the Middle East, and I don't know. I think from these it's the only way you get a clear eye perspective of what's yeah. going on in the middle east is from like a brownstone in dc <laughs> <laughs> no totally i mean the think tanks in dc are where it's at uh especially the ones that are funded by weapons companies and saudi arabia and qatar those are the probably the ones you should listen to most truly remarkable how little we know about this country that we're about to sleepwalk into bombing and bring sending troops to when, yeah, if we already have people stationed there and we know that Assad is bad, but that's about it. I mean, there was that Twitter account made by those adults pretending to be that eight-year-old girl. <laughs> but, uh... That's an excellent description. Other than that, like... I mean, not... I mean, we, we are being blanketed with propaganda in this proxy war that doesn't actually... Well, I mean, not only is it, I mean... It's certainly not helping us as a country. We're just we're just uh, scavenging for more resources on other people's turf until eventually we run out of stuff to scavenge <laughs> and our society collapses. But <laughs> with Syria, there really is there are so many influences at play. There are so many countries and there are so many different groups trying to get their own slice of the civil war that there is no moral justification for well, any further it, it, involvement. What, what's so funny is that, like, with Iraq, there there had to be this kind of, like, big push of, like, finding a justification for a reason why America had to be there. Now it just seems like a foregone conclusion that if it's a country in the Middle East, you know, we are going to go to war with them, so we just might as well have it be about this not or just, something. You know, it's just bizarre. Just, how, yeah. Not just go to war with them, but, like, a couple—I think it was, like, a month ago— 
the U.S. was saying like Iran needs to Iran needs to get out of Syria. Like the, it's like the U.S.'s turf or something. I mean, it's unbelievable the level of arrogance. <laughs> the U.S. is not a Middle Eastern country. Like Iran is. Iran, it's like the, the Middle East is Iran's region. So it's actually normal. Like it's normal for Iran to do trade with the countries that are around it and to have some sort of involvement in the countries that are around it, right? Like, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, just like, you know, the U.S. and Canada have, like, a relationship because they're neighbors. Whereas, like, the U.S. isn't even in that. Like, get out of it. Just the level of arrogance where, like, the Middle East just belongs to the U.S. The U.S. deserves to have influence mm -hmm. in the Middle East is so... I mean, it just it makes you laugh, but it's, like, a real... It's really the way people think, especially in D.C. They really do believe, like, it's like the U.S. is right. Um, to, <laughs> you know, to it's, like, it's, do whatever it wants in that region. So it, here's the thing: like, I, I when I lived in Japan, I didn't really notice this in America. But when you when I was living in Japan in, an, in a country that is as warmongering as it is, as many fascists there are there, they don't ha they're not allowed to have to wage war in other countries. So when and I was kind of like not paying as much attention to U.S. news. And so when you're not inundated with it, you kind of just look back, you know, every couple of weeks, every month and every so and like one month, it would be like, OK, now it's time to do something about North Korea. <laughs> Look back another month. Now it's time to do something about Iran. Look back another month. Now it's to do time to do something about Syria. And like America is one of the few countries where like the next the number one question on our foreign policy agenda is always who do we bomb next? Right. Even in this cycle, like you just mentioned Iran. I think it was probably like two, three months ago where we were talking about bombing Iran, right? Yeah. Um, it, it was like a month ago where we were talking about bombing North Korea. And now we've circled back uh, to Syria. And so I guess my question for you again is, <laughs> what should we do about Syria? We must do something. <laughs> we must do it something. It's the fighting season. <laughs> Which yeah. is one of Trump the worst must do something. phrases must ever. Do. Yeah, Trump. Trump is You're, the man that's uniquely qualified finally to do something. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what's also, you know, what's also crazy is about Syria too is like, okay, aside from what people think about the Syrian government or whatever, um, it, no one seems to really care how dangerous it is for the U.S. and Russia to maybe go to war in Syria. Like, mm -hmm. that's like an actual, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. Right. Um, but even if the U.S. doesn't want a war with Russia even if that's not even the purpose, the idea of the U.S. going in and, like, intensely bombing the Syrian government risks an actual hot war with Russia. People are just dismissing that. Like, it's, like, no big deal for two nuclear powers to go to war with each other, even if by accident. I don't yeah. think they understand the gravity of any of this. And moreover, I mean, I just, I, like, in the one thing about living abroad that's cool, and you probably remember this from being in Japan, like you just said, is you don't really pay as much attention to U.S. domestic news. And so I'm not, like, constantly watching CNN or MSNBC. And now that I've, just for the few days I've been back in D.C., like, see, it's like CNN, they're trying to force it down your throat. It plays, like, everywhere. Well, Airports. And, you know, the elevator to this one hotel I was in had CNN playing in the elevator. <laughs> it's like, why? This doesn't even make sense. Um, uh, but they really want to force it down your throat. And all I see is, like, a parade of, of war hawks. That's it. Like, just constantly well, being like, let's bomb this and that. It's insane. 
I, I've been watching CNN for the last couple of days because I, I just have no regard for my blood pressure. <laughs> I, just, I, I want it to just like burst yourself. right out of me, all of it. I, I hate myself. Uh, but I've been watching CNN over the last couple of days, and it's been interesting. Like, you know, we are beating the drums of war right now, and the only thing they seem to want to talk about with regard to this war is the idea that Donald Trump used to say he didn't want to telegraph what yes! he was going to do to our enemies. They're like playing this montage like, like every hour of him being like, I wouldn't tell the enemies what we're going to do. What they're mad at him about is not the idea that we might, that he might start a hot war with Russia, but that he said he wouldn't tell that he was going to start a hot war oh, with Russia and, and Hillary Clinton did. And you know what? And you know what? This is where the neo-McCarthyists of this like whole, you know, it's Putin's fault that Queen Hillary lost really, really comes into, you know, into play because these people would uh, usually be not happy if we were to just indiscriminately bomb another country. But, like, frankly, since Obama and Libya, liberals just seem to forget that uh, interventionism is bad. Violent interventionism has there only... There are currently, uh, like, slave... Like, Libya currently has a slave trade. Right. <laughs> and, and, like, liberals and I mean, don't like, talk and, and about who do you, it. They don't talk about it. And who do you blame it. that on? Like, and who do you blame that on? Other than maybe the person who was, like, secretary of state <laughs> when that whole thing went down? And, like, I don't know. Like, happened? Yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah, uh, like, there's I, a part it, of me... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you first. Well, I was just going to say, there's a part of me that wonders, like, if Hillary won, would this have happened, like, six months ago? You yes. Know? Yes. It would have happened more efficiently, and it yeah. would have happened with, like, a better, cleaner rollout, and Anderson Cooper would be nutting himself. He would be <laughs> loving it. <laughs> they would be, like, the first woman to bomb. They would be so happy. <laughs> like, it's a real break of, breaking the glass ceiling, you know? <laughs> it's so inspiring to finally see a woman up there, like, you know, Calling for the death of death of thousands. Yeah, she's such a badass. She's, a she's such a diva that Hillary Clinton. So what well. was what's really bothering me is like so we when the one good thing though that about Trump um, winning was supposed to be that all right so like the anti war movement was would come back, but it really like hasn't. If anything, people are like mad that he hasn't a lot of people who were anti-war during bush are mad that he hasn't done something yet well these are the people that are like they're pushing war with russia honestly the okay the election of donald trump it's not just the anti-war movement that's disappeared a lot of movements have just kind of been swallowed up by the anti-trump resistance and that includes i mean whatever it's like you look around and you know black lives matter stuff is like a lot weaker than it used to be um you know, environmental movement is a lot like the environmental movement is a lot used to, weaker than it used to be, and that also yeah, remember by the way, climate is like change. Russian, it's also like a Russian yeah. plot, apparently. Um, that like was against <laughs> the U.S. energy industry. I mean, it's like these are the these are the things you're seeing. You're seeing all these liberals who used to be like kind of anti-war, maybe, um, or maybe even progressives who were, are now just like like wearing tinfoil hats and drumming up these yeah. weird conspiracy theories about Russia because they want Donald Trump out of office, and it's just. It's like this anti-Russia hysteria to the point where I've actually seen people like who are taken seriously um, saying things like, oh, you know, Putin is behind this escalation with Russia and Syria. And it's like, what? Like now it's like Putin's <laughs> controlling the White Putin wants the White House to, to escalate and see. Like, I'm so confused. I mean, it's just it's so absurd. It's like yeah, the, the mean, Russia stuff is like the nine. Like it's like it's like the birther conspiracy, but for liberals. Like, I don't know. It's it's just I mean, yeah, it's, if there's it's a, lost yeah, their if mind. the federal government 
If the federal government was being controlled by, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the office of Vladimir Putin, wouldn't we have pulled out last year? <laughs> I mean, look, honestly, if, if there was more ri- widespread belief that Trump or that Putin was trying to push us to war with Syria, I think that would be good because then at least liberals would be like, well, we can't do what Putin wants. But it seems like a lot of them think that, like, we should go to war with Syria because it's what Putin doesn't want, uh, which is just, you know, part of this, like, liberal Trump derangement syndrome uh, uh, of, you know, of reactionary beliefs. Putin wouldn't like it if I poured 700-degree oil on my own skin, so I'm going to go jump into the tar pits and stick it to him. I just feel like still we're kind of getting off track. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, what will we do about Syria? Because we've mentioned it before, but Assad is bad. Assad is mm-hmm. bad. He's a bad dude. He's a bad guy. <laughs> you know, I gotta He's done say, bad things, and we have to do something. I got to say, one thing about the whole Syria issue that's really pissing me off, uh, especially as of late, is um, there is this... I'm really glad you're having me on, and you're like someone who knows what she's talking about. She's from the region. But there are also other Arabs from the region in the United States who are just like right-wing assholes. Um and these are the these are the kinds of Arabs that are just like that, that was the same with Iraq. You know, you had these sort of like Iraqi exiles, mm-hmm. um, the Ahmed Shalabis, if you will, who were given airtime in the U.S. to be like, please overthrow my regime that, in a country I don't live in anymore. <laughs> um, and now you have like you have a similar thing going on uh, in the U.S. right now, where the Arabs that do get a platform are typically really right wing and kind of like hardcore religious zealots, almost always men. Um, and these are the authentic mm-hmm. Arab voices. They don't live in Syria anymore. They're actually, like, it's kind of similar to, to like, a lot of Latin American elites who live in the U.S. and want to overthrow the regimes in Latin America, where they're, like, Syrian exiles who left, like, years ago because they had, like, their land taken away from the Ba'ath Party way back in the day, and they want their ship back. They're, like, elites. Um, mm. And these are the people who, I mean, they're like the Cubans in Miami who, like, hate Castro. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, like, the Syrians in the U.S. who are given... Uh, the airtime and who are taken seriously as authentic voices from the region. And, like, people in the region hate them so much. Um, <laughs> like, you, they hate them. I mean, it, it's... And this isn't understood by, I feel like, leftists in the U.S. Because, like, leftists, not all leftists, but a certain segment of them, like, want to defer to, you know, the people from the region. But they're deferring to assholes. Like, right-wing yeah. <laughs> asshole elites. That's who Wait, hold, uh, hold on a second. Are you saying that the... People of Iraq did not want to be led by Ahmed Chalabi. Like, he wasn't <laughs> one of the most heroic figures in the country before he came over here. And no, they were, like, dying for it. They were dying for it. They were like, this guy hasn't been in the country in, like, a really long time. He has so much popular support. No one knows who he is. I mean... <laughs> you know, there was... But, like, with Syria, really though... Actually... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there was a really remarkable moment over the last couple of weeks where it almost felt like a lot of the uh, L.A. liberals I knew were developing a, a bit of a sense of self-awareness when Mohammed bin Salman was touring around the city and everyone was bending over backwards to placate him. I mean, even Israelis I knew were going like, oh, shit, like, wh- what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> <laughs> this is a real mess Hollywood's gotten itself into this time. <laughs> like, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I with, with Saudi Arabia... Now using the U.S. as its attack dog against Iran, uh, and, and the Republicans happy to do that because anything they can do to stick to you know whatever shambles of Obama's legacy are left. There's a there's a real uh, there's a real cognitive dissonance going on with L.A. liberals. Let me tell you, mm. it is it is uh, 
it is breaking brains. Uh, a few days ago, uh, a bunch of uh, young Jews with If Not Now were arrested for protesting in front of the Jewish Federation. I mean, there's a... The, I, I do get a little optimistic that, that young people, at least from my perspective on the West Coast, are starting to go, uh, yeah, we don't want any of this shit. Yeah. And so that, yeah. that gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, the other thing that should give you hope, though, is that we are, are sometime very soon going to do something about this barbaric monster, Assad. Uh, <laughs> yes. and, uh, uh, and, and what do you think that, uh, uh, as something must be done, as, as Leslie has said. And has, has had to be done with Saddam Hussein. Has had to, has be, had done. to be done with Muammar Gaddafi. But not with Mohammed bin Salman. He's cool. No. no, he's he's a reformer. He lets women drive. I mean, soon. He said soon. Well, I think like June. So, uh, so, and not Netanyahu either. He's a hero. Yeah. No, he's all, I mean, yeah. He's but a ben, little mean, but whatever. He's all, cool. All right. Question: What if this is what we need to do? Ben Salman, he came over here. He hung out with the Rock. What if Assad did he really comes hang here? Out with the Rock. Yes, he did. One hundred percent did. Like the Aww. Rock posted like this weird Instagram post about how great it was to meet him. Oh my god, that, uh, makes, me so that makes me so fucking sad. Okay, Elon but, Musk, The Rock, Bill Gates, Oprah, all, all, all together. But what if Assad comes here, hangs out with Vin Diesel? Then we got oh, something. Oh wow, we could. Yeah, we should. We should totally like one up them, right? Well, they had that beef because of the Fast and the Furious. You know, Vin Diesel's unhappy that The Rock is taking his franchise over, so I think it could actually work. <laughs> I mean, like, pick like a, like, a, like, who's like a billionaire nemesis of Elon Musk? Ooh, actually, nice. all billionaires are friends, so they have yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work out that way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it's, it's, I'll definitely suggest it to Assad since I have a direct line and all. <laughs> yeah, but, so but, yeah, I, I did want to ask, what's Assad like? <laughs> he has a lisp and no chin. <laughs> yeah, as far as like all the the dictator strong men, he's the least strong looking man of all of them. Yeah. I must say, <laughs> he's, the, he's the most Western looking one. Like I feel like he could be prime minister of Canada if he plays his card right. That's what he's. <laughs> He comes across as. It's just a funny, like, we, we just so deeply live in Fail Sun Planet that even our, like, you know, dictator villains are also, like, weak chinned Fail yeah, Suns. Like, like, Jong Un, not like, not it's like a, a symbol of strength. It's like, yeah, no, Donald yeah. Trump, like, everybody is, like, just somebody's, like, fat, shitty kid. I guess Assad's the only one that's, like, he's, like, Ichabod Crane, like, instead of, like, a big fat guy. Yeah, he's, like, it's, a skinny, uh, dorky yeah, the, man. Like, he's, like, a skinny, yeah. dorky, scientist y looking guy who went. He did go to school in the UK. Right. He was, he was like an ophthalmologist, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, the funny thing about like Syria is people, I mean, it's like the government in Syria, yes, it's authoritarian and has like a dictator and stuff, but it's like more than just one person. Um, right. It's a lot of people. It's like an authoritarian bureaucracy with just, you know, one guy who's like a figurehead. But uh, they just, I mean, this it's like Assad's not just like sitting around a table making all these cr like decisions, like blah, like it doesn't work like that. Right. It's actually like send a the gas. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's actually, like a government with like an army and stuff. And I mean, I, I, I get like called an Assadist a lot, but it's also really funny because the government doesn't like me very much. <laughs> um, and so I, I guess the so what I want to ask you is so. What did Assad, or I should say the Syrian um, government, do that put them on the wrong side of the dictator scale as far well, as the U.S. Just, you goes? Can't be, you cannot be. The, okay, so the Syrian government has at times participated <clears throat> with the U.S. Like during the Lebanese civil war, uh, 
Hafez al-Assad, Bashar's father, um, basically like went into Lebanon, you know, in agreement with the U.S. to go defeat the PLO. Like they they've done some really fucked up stuff um, uh, and on the side of the U.S. But Syria has also maintained its independence for the most part, and it kind of plays both sides. And so um, Syria has also participated against, you know, like with forces the U.S. hates. Uh, Syria is allied with Iran, allied with Iran during the Iran-Iraq war, uh, which is one of the reasons, by the way, that Iran is supporting Syria right now is, is kind of like, well, you supported us when we were, you know, when we were, when Iraq was destroying us on behalf of the U.S., so now we'll support you. Um, but they also do give, um, they also do allow, uh, like Hamas, well, they used to at least before they all got into a big fight over the war in Syria, but they gave Hamas a home. They allow Hezbollah to basically use Syria as a place to funnel weapons into Lebanon so that Hezbollah can protect Lebanon. Um, so, I, I mean, this is why Syria is on the hit list. Like, it's Syria does not... I mean, and, and that's that said, like, Syria, even when Bashar al-Assad came into power, he started liberalizing the market in Syria. Uh, and that was something that the U.S. really, really liked. And so for a while, people like Hillary Clinton were like, Bashar is a reformer um, because he was liberalizing Yeah, he had his market. Ben Salman moment too, right? It's very, uh, yeah, very... Bashar, yeah. Bashar was the Bin Salman of like the what? What was it? like? When did he come in? Sorry, I'm not uh, smart 2000, enough. Two thousand, I believe. Okay, I, I wanted to say I wanted to say early two thousands, but I got scared. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's, very, it's very interesting how as soon as someone wants to do business with us, they're all of a sudden reformers, and yeah. progressives, and they see a positive future. Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, uh, you know, he had his Bin Salman, uh, Bashar al-Assad had, had his Bin Salman moment, like, who knows, he could have even come to the U.S. in the 90s and been pictured with Fred Durst or something, right. you know, <laughs> like, uh, he probably had an exciting trip, the internet just wasn't as around back then. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, but you know, but the, but, I mean, but like I said, like, it's like, in, you know, that's just how it is around the world, if you don't do what the U.S. wants all the time, then you get bullied and you get targeted. Uh, and that is why Syria has been targeted. Also, like there's this, you know, it's it's a part of this neoconservative and like neoliberal agenda, I guess, to just to there's, you know, the, the list of governments they want to get rid of. And Syria was kind of always on that list because they didn't always play ball. Same with Libya and Gaddafi. You know, Gaddafi kind of went back and forth um, yeah. in the especially like in the 90s and then in the 2000s. He went back and forth. And sometimes, you know, like yeah, he remember was praised and other times he, he was in, like, you know, a tent in New York. enemy. Oh yeah, whose house did he stay with at, in New York? Gaddafi, like oh, he like know. stayed in like a tent in someone's backyard or something. Yeah, that's right. I don't remember whose backyard, but yeah, he wanted... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Who? It was like a singer or something. I'm like looking it up because it is weird. Uh, it was on Donald Trump's estate. Holy <laughs> shit. No, you're fucking kidding. Yeah. Momar Gaddafi's tent finds home on Donald Trump's estate, September oh 2009. Oh my god! god. <laughs> how has that not been? Like, I can't believe I didn't CNN remember that. Yeah, I mean, because uh, they don't have a long enough memory for 2009. <laughs> Less than 10 years ago. <laughs> That's really funny. Also, Gaddafi was killed two years later. Um, How? How interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It was really weird. No one really knows what happened, but Hillary Clinton was really happy. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, we know some things that happened. I saw a video. So, there, was, uh, there was maybe a video. There was Yeah. Was Jesus. Yeah. Horrific. <laughs> uh, just horrific. Um, it is interesting that that list of places we need to take care of uh, uh, is really centralized around one region of the world uh, lately uh, that you were talking about. Uh, this like this bipartisan list of countries we need to take care of. It does seem to be like hyper focused on one area of the world. Yeah, it's weird, right? It is. You know, strange. I gotta yeah. say though, the the most fascinating thing about Syria is that the U.S. didn't get its way. 
Um, the U.S. got its way in Iraq and it got its way in Libya uh, because nobody really hit, like nobody really they didn't those countries didn't have good allies. But because with Syria, they have because the Russians after actually after Libya, the Russians were like, fuck this. We're not allowing this to happen to another country in this region. You're like destabilizing this area of the world and it's impacting Europe. It's impacting us. Um, and so they stuck by Syria. And that is like because of Russia and Iran. That is literally the only reason that Syria is still standing. Also, I mean, obviously, the Syrian government has, you know, played like, a, you know, has played a good game in, in its own right. But I mean, they could not have done it without their allies. And the U.S. basically failed in Syria. I mean, I wouldn't say the Syria won, but the U.S. totally failed. And that's really well, we hard are- for America. We armed a bunch of religious extremists who couldn't put together any sort of cohesive fighting force or agenda. And that's what we do over and over and over again. I mean, it I worked one yeah, time with Saudi Arabia, but then it hasn't worked ever since. Who? Yeah. I don't even I like know to say Saudi Arabia. Factions. Saudi Arabia is like ISIS, but just like with a lot of oil. Rainia, <laughs> since, since, I mean, you're an expert on this and we're, or I'm not speaking for Jack and I, we're morons. Uh, who? What are the factions right now that are even taking on Assad at this point? Who are we even backing in this proxy? Well, the U.S. is actually under Trump uh, because, and largely because of, well, Mike Pompeo really wanted to end the covert weapons program to the to the Syrian rebels, as we like to call them, because he's like a Christian fundamentalist and hates Muslims. Um, but, it, which is always funny to me how like all of this is so ass backwards, but Basically, the U.S. is no longer funneling weapons or arms to these groups. And that is why these groups are, like, being defeated. Uh, And the same with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is not really supporting them anymore either. Qatar has stopped supporting them. Um, So that, I mean, that's the reason, like, otherwise the war would still be ongoing. That's why the Syrian government has taken back so many areas, because these groups no longer have outside backers anymore. But essentially, the last group that just was defeated in uh, Duma, which is a city in eastern Ghouta, is a group called Jaysh al-Islam. And uh, they are basically a Salafi jihadist group that wants to ethnically cleanse Syria of its religious minorities and wants to impose um, an Islamic state. Not that different from the Islamic state. <laughs> and, it's in Islamic uh, state, not the Islamic state. Right, yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> but they, I mean, they they really are not. Like, they actually, they, there was a few years ago when they proudly on video paraded caged Alawite women and children in um, in the street and, and said they were using them as human shields. <laughs> um, hey, the enemy of our enemy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and then so, Lord. and so you wonder, I mean, it's like sometimes I see these conversations happening in outlets I used to write for that don't like me anymore or because <laughs> of Syria. <laughs> or even on like the progressive left, like the conversation is so batshit crazy because it's like it's all just like Assad's a monster. Assad's a monster. Like there's a reason that Syrians don't want you to overthrow their shitty government. Like it's not because they love their their government is shitty, but like the alternative puts people in cages and uses them right. as human shields. Like literally, they do it. It's like I'm not making it up. They do it on video for you to see. Yeah, and, no? and even if that wasn't the case, I'm sure there will people be arguing against it. No, they're these good rebel groups and they're the ones we should support. You Collapsing a government, 
bad things kind of happen in the Middle East when you do that. I think anywhere when you do that, but we have a history, but we have a history of bad things happening when we collapse governments, regardless of how bad the government is or how good um, yeah. we think our, our, our proxies are. And no, so, of, and so we think Saddam Hussein was a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he was an asshole. Like he was a huge asshole. He was awful. But the U.S. like yeah collapsed the entire state. They they destroyed all of its institutions. I mean, states are not just their leaders, right? It's like also education. It's also right. healthcare. It's also you know employment. It's all it's all kinds of things. And especially in country in a country like Syria. I mean, Syria was one of the strongest states in the Middle East before the U.S. started fucking with it in 2011. Um, Syria was a, one of the most like. Uh, it produced its own food. It was like so self-sufficient in food production, which is not common, especially in post-colonial countries. Uh, its healthcare system was free. People in Le- like my most of my family is from Lebanon. Lebanon doesn't have much of a state because they have a, had a civil war a while back, mm-hmm. and everything's insanely privatized and insanely expensive. So people in Lebanon would go to get like healthcare in Syria for free. Um, you know, food was like affordable. School was free. Um, and now, you know, and Syria had like you could drink water from the tap, you know, <laughs> like they had clean water. Now people rely on bottled water in Syria. You know, it's like little mm. things like that um, are what happen and people can't afford water. Like it's like they have to pay to have water tanks at their houses because there's no longer like a free water flow mm-hmm. because it's been poisoned from the war. So, I mean, all of these little things that you don't really think about are what go into like a state existing. And I mean, I, there's like this, there's a lot of anarchists who like love the idea of collapsing the state, but it is not pretty what happens. What ends up happening, happening is crazy people with weapons end up taking over Mm -hmm. and they end up like people end up looking to them for um, safety as well. People start to like kind of look inward and and move towards their most primordial identity groups, you know, um, for like safety. Uh, and then gangs sprout up, and like life fucking sucks. It's like right. what happened in Iraq after we collapsed well, that state. It's I, like it's like where is what's the gold standard? What is the state that we where where did we succeed at doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we want to do this over and over and over again, but but where's the success story? Like there what can we one. point to? Yeah, there is not one. Le- Leslie, I interrupted you earlier. I apologize. What was that you were saying? Oh, no, I, I was just saying exactly that. Like, we keep trying to do this, but it never has worked out. We have no example of it working out. And the conversation always circles back to, but Assad is bad. But <laughs> right. this bad thing happened. But we have to do something. We have to but do Saddam something. But Saddam Hussein is bad. But Muammar Gaddafi is bad. You know what? Yeah. But Kim Trump Jong-un is bad. is bad. But you know what's funny? is like, but Trump is bad. But you know, if there was like gangs of the fucking KKK and white supremacists which are the people <laughs> that have weapons in America, if, the, if, anar- if there was anarchy in America, that's who would take over. It's very, not all of it, but a lot of parts of America would be taken over it, by insane white supremacists with weapons. It'll be Far Cry 5. At least in Montana, that's exactly what would happen. But like all of these liberals, all of these liberals would be losing their shit. They would be hugging the U.S. government no matter who was in charge. If like, because I mean, they... W- I mean, that's literally what's happening. With what's that, happening right now? They're like, the we have you, FBI. Like, save us, Father. Like, uh, <laughs> go fund me, Andrew. I was going to say though that it's like, but 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 Assad do, he does things to hurt his own citizens, which is something that the United States government does never do. does and no. would never do. So there's a huge difference there. Like, there there's nothing that the U.S. Well, government does to you know, to hurt like, its own people. With that- 
with our, with that argument, what I will say that's like so stunning to me is uh is like people are like Assad's hurt. It's like not Assad, you guys. It's like the Syrian army is made up of right. Syrians. Like it's like I mean it is to an extent. Although obviously like there was all these crazy insurgent groups, some of them foreigners that came into the country. It also is a civil war. Like it is Syrians fighting Syrians. It's not like Assad just going around with like a scepter. just like crushing people under his feet it's like there's like art there's an army fighting an insurgency like that's what's happening in syria and it's just it's the way they simplify it is so it's just like so cartoonishly silly um that you really i mean also like the idea that like the idea that you know well whatever uh uh, the idea that it's like well assad like gasses people or whatever he should be more civilized and and drone strike them uh uh, at their elementary schools yeah no it's like Like, yeah it's like well the the idea i mean it always struck me as strange like this over concern it is it's like this concern with just like certain types of weapons over others like people are dying all like some type of death is acceptable you know like well, actually, you can kill way more people with um, with conventional weapons than chemical weapons. Like, it's, I mean, and that doesn't even get into the idea of, like, okay, like, there also hasn't been an investigation yet to, like, determine if this happened or who did it. Like, aside from all of that, it's, like, it's like why are American weapons so much superior to chemical weapons? Right. I mean, weapons all I, fucking, they um, all kill people. Because, because... They just don't show the photos on CNN, basically. Yeah. That's the actual answer yeah. to that question. Like, That's right true. Now. That is true. Uh, <laughs> right now, I want to change the subject slightly. I didn't realize this, but just doing a little bit of homework last night, and I've been reading you for quite a few years, actually, but I didn't realize how much you have been punished uh, in the world of left journalism for actually being an advocate for not going to another war. I'm looking and I'm seeing that you were uninvited by Students for Justice in Palestine and one co- uh, at, uh, at a college in North Carolina. Yeah. Like it's, I'm I'm really shocked to see that a pretty common uh, pretty common anti-war attitude on the left is being shunned so aggressively. Yeah, you know, now that you mention it, Jonathan, maybe we shouldn't put this episode up. Yeah, maybe. I should probably, <laughs> probably just like, like, end the conversation now. Hey, you know, it's been good talking to you, but uh, I didn't realize. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking forward to all the hot tweets we're going to get from uh, Oz Katergi. I'm looking forward to him uh, coming after us. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, there is... I have never seen such a concerted campaign. It's not just against me. It's against um, anyone who has, like, spoken out on Syria has been treated this way, on the left specifically. Uh, and it's, 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 it's awful. It's really sad. And, you know, Syria has been something that has really uh, torn apart the left and torn apart Palestine solidarity, which a few years ago was, like, at its peak. I used to be a big part of that. I used to really, a lot of my work was focused on the issue of Palestine um, before I was, you know, and one of the reasons I even started opening my mouth about Syria, because for a while I was like, this isn't worth it. You just get trashed. Um, one of the reasons I did is because I was afraid Hillary, like Hillary Clinton was going to be elected and I was afraid that she was going to, uh, one of the first things she was going to do was what she promised to do, which is impose a no-fly zone in Syria, which would have been a disaster. And so I took the opportunity to go visit Syria I have family there. I like have, you know, like skin in the game. I don't know. And I was just really, really, really shocked by the backlash, especially from people in Palestine solidarity. Um, It just shows like how torn Arabs are on the issue of Syria. A lot of it has to do with sectarianism, which is like a whole other story that is like probably not even worth getting into. But it's really it's done. I mean, it's really done Israel's job in so many ways, like just destroying Palestine solidarity. There used to be I remember like every month there would be BDS resolutions at various college mm-hmm. campuses 
um, and it would be a really big deal. It would be live streamed. I don't remember when that, like, I don't see that happening anywhere anymore. It's like not a thing. I mean, there are a lot of young Jews who are like actually some of the most organized people on the issue of Israel-Palestine, but like the Palestine solidarity side of it has taken a really hard hit. Yeah, uh, I want to give a shout out to If Not Now. They're doing amazing, amazing work. It's a coalition of mostly young Jews who are protesting against the occupation, and they've really been getting their shit together over the yeah. last few months, and it's been beautiful to see. Especially, yeah, I remember, I remember last year um, at a, there was the APAC con conference like last March, not this one, but like last year, 2017, uh, and there was like all of like the various like J Jewish Voice for Peace, If Not Now, all these Jewish groups were so well organized and had their shit together and it was really, really amazing. And then the Arabs were just like all down each other's throats because someone brought like a free Syrian flag and someone brought the Syrian, the actual Syrian flag until so, like fights broke out. And I was just like, wow, like, like, I mean, it's just, it's really fun. It's sad. Yeah, it's really, really uh, sad. Given that something, I, okay. Should we just do nothing? I guess is what I want to ask. We've been talking so much about doing should, something. Is doing nothing know. the best thing to do? We we should do something. We should we should be we should be demanding the U.S. get the fuck out of Syria. Like period. Mm. That should be that is like that should be the leftist. In my opinion, I'm not trying to sound luxury, but like that should be the most logical leftist thing to sure. to, to say is like the U.S. should get the fuck out of Syria. Leave that country yeah, alone. Military it, interventionism is bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think that Americans really should know like what we did in Syria these last several years. It's kind of coming down, I mean, assuming the U.S. doesn't, like, escalate, which I don't know could happen, but it's kind of, you know, the Syrian war is sort of coming to a close, um, and there's clearly going to be winners and losers. But it's so important for Americans to understand because there is going to be blowback. Uh, there already has been. The guy who the guy who shot up that Ariana Grande concert last week, uh, he had gone to Libya and Syria to fight to overthrow those governments, and he had initially gone to Libya with his father. Um and, and Amer like the UK was encouraging, the UK intelligence agencies were encouraging these Libyan exiles to go fight against Gaddafi. And they were Islamists, like they were Islamists fighting with Al-Qaeda-linked groups in Libya. Hmm. Um, and like that, and then that guy like came back using that the tools that he learned trying to overthrow the governments in Libya and Syria and working alongside jihadist groups, he used that to make a bomb in Manchester. Um, mm -hmm. at, and like kill a bunch of like teenage girls at an Ariane Gondor, or Ariana Grande concert. And so... My point is, is like what the U.S. did in Syria is actually feeding into the rise of the far right in the West. Because whenever we have attacks like that in the West, you see the right like, like really using it, like capitalizing on it to push its agenda. And it works, mm -hmm. as you yeah. can tell. Donald Trump won on Islamophobia mm -hmm. um, yeah. and he won using like ISIS as, you know, like demonizing Muslims as all being ISIS. Like. Those things happen. ISIS well, he also won because some Russians, Russians bought like a couple Facebook ads too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was you know that was the determining reason. Yeah, but it's it's so multi level because like we go in, we destroy this country. So if you're warmongering, it that plays into what the conservatives want to do. We destroy the country because we want to fight ISIS. Then and that bring up ISIS, and now we have to protect ourselves from ISIS. So you vote for right wingers, and then there's a, a of course a immigration crisis because all these people are escaping ISIS and. And guess what? That means you need right wingers to protect you from the refugees. And well, and so like any basically what it's coming down to is if we do something, all it does is plays into the hands of right wingers, reactionaries, and fascists. 
Yeah, that's about the long and short of it. Yeah, that's why people need to under, like, that's why especially people on the left, like, I know Syria can seem, I'm really glad you guys care about Syria and, and like, want to understand it, because oftentimes what I see is people are just like, what the, I don't understand what the fuck happened in that country, it's too complicated, and everyone's yelling at each other. And they just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, that's, I, mean I, I get it, I get it, it looks, it's not as complicated, it is complicated, right. but it's not as complicated as it's made out to be. It's almost like it's intentionally um, made to seem so complex that like it just people's like eyes kind of like glaze over and they don't want to hear anymore. But it's like really, right. really it, it, crucial that people recognize that and be able to like have, because the thing is, this is the sad part is that it's the right that ends up having a narrative about ISIS. It's a, it's a fucked up narrative, but they have the simplistic narrative that catches on. Whereas the yeah. left just wants to ignore all these things and that's like a problem. The left should have a response to these things that people can latch onto. You have to have a narrative about what's taken place in Syria, about why there's attacks, like why there's Salafi jihadi attacks on the U.S. And that isn't Islamophobic. Otherwise, you basically like hand, o- hand the microphone over to the right. right. Which is yeah, you seed that argument. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's like another reason why I think it's so important to, like to discuss this stuff because otherwise, like the Tommy fucking Larens and... Yeah. You know, the Nigel Farage's and, like, the Donald Trumps of the world are going to be the ones who people look to for, like, what do we do next? And that's really scary. Yeah. 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 It's, that, well, it's, 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 you know, one of the interesting things about uh, the purging of the nationalist element of the of the Trump coalition, uh, you know, the, the axing of Bannon and whatnot, is that a huge chunk of those Trump supporters were embittered anti-war mm-hmm. activists who swung hard right. I mean, look at like Cassandra Fairbanks yeah. uh, and, and, and people like her. She was involved in Occupy and I, I don't know what happened to her fucking brain, but like <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. Twitter happened to her brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but now, but now Twitter it, was the best thing that ever happened to me. I can't recommend it. <laughs> but now we have John Bolton in that in those spots. Do people like John right. Bolton coming in? It's yeah. almost as if like... Uh, you know, it's 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 a fucked up thing when you have the 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 horrible white supremacists who don't want constant war, and then you have the progressive, you know, uh, quote unquote diverse, rich neocon and neolib elite who the coastal uh, just don't elites. give a fuck. The yeah. coastal, the coastal progr- like, like liberal that. elites. Yeah. Yeah, they don't give yeah. a fuck. But like, you know, they they will like get very mad if there's you know. Uh, I don't know, like a rape on an episode of Game of Thrones. They don't care that their policy, their policy will lead to thousands being raped. People getting really mad about a rape on Game of Thrones is very like four years ago. No, now it's now yeah, they now true. they just get mad about the president like saying uncouth words. That's true. Uh, is the thing that's they very, get most upset about. That was yeah, very very 2015. That's so funny though. Like that, those were the like biggest yeah, issues of the day. Just a I few remember, years those ago, were, those were the days, man. Those were the yeah. Days. Wow. I remember. I would. I would love to get back to the days when I was annoyed at everyone for getting mad about Sansa being in trouble. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were really the days. Like before I went, to, the days before like I went to Iraq and like met Yazidis who like were fucking like raped by ICE. I mean, like yeah, like, that would like, be the, yeah. Those were. The I days. didn't. I didn't even do that, and I still think this world is trash. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've become so cynical. I really have, and just like seeing. I don't even. I hope you guys are more positive than I am, because like sometimes I'm just like, yeah. No, there's no, 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 no. Unfortunately, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, there's always like Bernie 2020. I don't know. 
yeah. I, his well, foreign policy is not that good, though. But yes, I do no, have it's hope not, for. You know uh, what? For like Cornell West had his ear. Cornell West had his ear. Like yeah. Like that's. I mean, as much as I was not a fan of of Bernie's foreign policy, like he did listen. I mean. Yeah. He did, like, listen to his base sometimes. I mean, look, B- Bernie's foreign policy, uh, you know, is pretty similar to most uh, most people, like, I've met from Northern California. You know, if that makes any... Like, like it is a... It's a left of liberal, but just not quite where it needs to be. But a- at the same time, like... He, yes, he had Cornell West's year. He was the only mainstream politician to talk about uh, Palestinian human rights issues. Yeah. He was the only, you know, one speaking on behalf of the corruption of the Democratic Party. And like, yeah. The only one who yeah. didn't go to APAC. The only one who didn't go to APAC. Look, I mean, Bernie Sanders, I credit the him only for one, The only one who like has ever talked shit about of... Henry Kissinger. Yeah. yeah only one to ever talk shit about Henry Kissinger. Yeah, no, good I for mean, him. He's going to be fucking 78, but holy shit, do I want him to be. I will. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, if he dies three years into his term, I don't care. I just but, want him to be in that Oval Office so bad. But, but you know, this this pessimist yeah. turn, uh, uh, as, as I get, I guess, uh, this pessimist turn we've taken is almost a good argument in favor of doing something in Syria, because maybe <laughs> it'll be the spark that ends this hell world once and for all. Uh, have you ever considered that? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, I mean, people still think there's a revolution happening in Syria. Like, they'll be like, we have to support the revolution. And I'm like, where? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? They follow Bana Alabed on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Bana, I like to support like, Bana's, like, revolution towards World War Three. Do you remember when she did that when her Twitter account was like, save us, even if it starts World War Three? Good God. <laughs> that was what I mean, Bana's just like some dude in a K Street office, right? Like, I mean, the she's, same a guy real, that, she's a real little girl. She's a real little girl, but she clearly wasn't running that account. And she went into like, she's like, her dad was like a fighter and she was a part of like a PR campaign and then went to, now she like sits on President Erdogan's lap, like in Turkey huh. and she has Turkish citizenship. And I another mean, good dictator. another good yeah. dictator. Well, he is good. He is. He's lovely. He's he's very democratic. Yeah, I pulled it up. Uh, Dear world, it's better to start third world war instead yes! of letting Russia and Assad commit <laughs> Holocaust Aleppo. Um, even if we take right. it at the word, I really don't think it's necessarily um, better. Um, that's, <laughs> do people not like understand what world wars are? Like, no, do, does everyone really not get what it is? Like, what it's it means? It's been a while, like, so I guess I don't really. Blame it has been a while. It has been. It, it's been long enough that it has just taken on the pallor of like a sequel or something <laughs> like that. But I think people don't realize like um, what well, also, that would like, mean. We live in a world of the last world war we had, like that that happened that we called a world war. Not everyone had, like, nuclear weapons. They were just starting to, like, emerge right. and the U.S. dropped, like, the, you know, precursor to them on Japan. But, like, if you had a world war now, like, that's so, I mean, that's why the Cold War was so dangerous. Because you had the U.S. and Russia just, like, playing chess with each other with nuclear weapons. Um, and to be clear, the bombs that today, we, yeah, the, the bombs that we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were nothing compared yeah. to what we have now. Absolutely. Those were like child's play. They killed, like, 80,000 people, right? Like yes. An insane number of people. That's an insane number of people. Um, if you had, I mean, the nuclear war is like really serious. It's really fucking dangerous. And Russia and the U.S. are the two big, like, most nuclear armed countries in the world. I actually saw somebody tweeting, someone who I don't like. I'm not going to mention their name, um, but I didn't like what they said. It was like, it was like everybody makes this big deal about like a World War Three between the U.S. and Russia. But the U.S. and Russia, they're imperial powers. They're never going to hurt each other. They only like to hurt third world people. 
That's um, the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Okay, to begin with, that's not true. They would hurt each other. And the second part of that is like, it's why is it appropriate to just have proxy wars where, <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, like, like it's, but also like, that's not, like, it's like, it's a real possibility. Like, even if by accident, you know, like people could, someone could accidentally right. push a button, you know, you just never, and like things like that have been, have happened like, before. World War One was fought between like a bunch of like world powers and shit. You know what Who I mean? Who had no white people like, killed each other? <laughs> and, and they had no idea that they were getting into a world war when it started. We actually yeah. know right now that this is between the U.S. and this could be a world war between U.S. and Russia. We already seen this movie twice now. Um, are we going to do it the third time? Um, I don't know, but I think what we have decided that. At the end of this podcast, because I know Ronya, you have to go. Yeah, is I that do. we have to do something about Syria? We, do we have to do something? We must do something. <laughs> you can't do nothing. Must do something. Uh, thank you so much That's for joining us, Ronya. And where can people find you and support you? Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I, I have a website that I haven't updated, so that's not useful. Um, <laughs> you can you can you can listen to my podcast, Unauthorized Disclosure. Find me on Twitter and Facebook, uh, where I generally post my work. Um, and yeah, that's the best I can do. <laughs> hey, you have you gotta a update that website. You have a pa- and Patreon, yeah, that's the unauthorized disclosure, which is my podcast. Is we put it on Patreon, so you can find that there. My website is just my name, RanyaCalic.com. and I am going to try and start updating it more like regularly, just to put up the work I do. But, um, but yeah, you can find me there as well. Uh, but seriously, guys, I do want to thank you for taking the time to have me on, um, especially in a climate where it doesn't really make you any friends. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Well, thanks so much for coming on. We're excited. uh, It's good talking to you. And uh, I'm excited to find out all the friends I'll lose over this. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I just want to see who it'll be. (laughs) I I like your enthusiasm. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. is the leading cyberpunk dystopia stoner internet occult late capitalist adjective known Russian Bob Disinfo podcast. The future is now and it sucks. The algorithm is horny but has no desire. We desire to be like it. We offer ourselves up to the invisible machinery of late capitalism, hoping to make it horny for our content, our data, our entire lives and humanity. It's terrible. It's kind of sexy. Listen to Homo Vulgaris. 
Embrace gay space, third impact, luxury, anime, t-shirt, communism. Better living through death, drive army. Homo vulgaris. Available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else fine podcasts are found. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.